This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College and president of New Perspectives. The holiday shopping season is fast approaching, so today we're going to tell you some ways that you can prevent identity theft. We're also looking for your calls on your personal finance issues this morning. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four, or send us an email money at mpbonline.org. So good morning to you both. Hope that you're doing well. Good morning. Good morning. Any exciting things taking place this weekend? Uh, not this past weekend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, just uh, normal work and family and uh, going to relax a little bit more this weekend, hopefully. Well, it was MC's homecoming this last weekend, oh. and we had a great weekend. And um, I, I do have to confess, I, I went over to the game. It was such a great, beautiful day and got out there, um, stayed for the half when that afternoon sun was hitting me. And I'm like, you know, I can see where this is going. I think I'm going to leave only to then look at the score and find that MC only lost by one point. Mm. And I missed out on all that action. Uh, for the big three, we were chatting about this before we came on the air, kind of a, a bad weekend. I know, uh, let's see, I think uh, Mississippi State played on uh, ESPN on Friday, and they lost in overtime, I guess. Uh, Ole Miss lost. Too bad. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and then Southern. Now, if, now, Kevin. <laughs> if the game had ended at halftime, uh, USM fans might have been happy, but uh, they... <laughs> oh, it's that second half that always gets us, isn't it? Yeah. When you're outscored, I think they were outscored, let's see, 34. Five to nothing, I believe, in the second half. So hopefully brighter things for uh, for college football fans this coming Saturday. That's great things about sports, though. There's always, unless it's the end of the season, there's always next week. So uh, what about some financial news in the news? Well, a um, couple of things. First is there's been all this buzz about uh, the purchase of Twitter. And all of these social media companies, suddenly we have all of these you know, different other types of companies going after them. So Disney was looking at purchasing Twitter, Google, um, other companies were throwing their names in the hat. And suddenly Google said, "Hmm, I think I'm going to back out of it. The deal collapsed. Twitter stock shares uh, dropped in value. But we still think somebody's going to buy them up. And it's this whole move that companies are making as they're becoming these broad media companies that's more mm-hmm. than just, you know, some type of content or network or now it's into social media and that's becoming very valuable. So they're going after them. But why is Twitter so valuable? Well, because they're collecting information, and so they know things about us, and it's really all about data. And it's a little freaky, you know, to think about, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I go online now, um, and if I go on Facebook, suddenly Facebook knows that I was ordering something from mm-hmm. Amazon, or I was looking for something, and it's, you know, trying to sell me something else. So that access to information about us, that data collection, that's where the value is. 
You know, that's interesting because I think another way uh, that that happens that I, I don't think we maybe not realize is when you've got the, the card for the grocery store or whatever that you, you know, that they always have you scan when you check out. Right. And that, so they know exactly what you're buying. Yeah. And, but what's interesting is the uh, Kroger did the thing where if you bought brand X of, say, I don't know, dog food, you would get a coupon, but it was for brand Y, which I always thought was sort of interesting. So I guess it's attempting to try to get you to maybe... To switch brands, right, right, right. 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 More the other, <laughs> yeah, the other thing that's been interesting that we've been watching and really relates to what we're talking about today is all the mess at Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo, great brand name, did very well through the financial crisis, and now uh, they're caught in the middle of this huge scandal where they were taking people's identity is what they were doing because there was this push for, quote, within the company. We call that a bad corporate culture. And finally, this last week, they finally did the right thing and fired the CEO. Of course, he's not going to go away empty-handed, is he, Chris? Uh, what was it, $130 million package Ridiculous. Like yeah, like it's ridiculous. But, um, and so that's one thing that, you know, we do have Wells Fargo customers around here that re- they really need to be paying attention to their credit reports to see if there was any damage. Mm-hmm. That's not a golden parachute. That's a platinum parachute there, I think. Well, (laughs) I would just kick him out of the plane, maybe without a parachute. (laughs) We're looking for your personal finance uh, questions this morning. We've got some open phone lines, so give us a call if you have one. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. I mentioned the open... uh, Holiday shopping season fast approaching. What what is that really? I mean, I guess maybe it's already started. After it's Halloween, already started <laughs> before Halloween. Uh, hey, it's uh, everybody, everybody's trying to get the leg up out there. I mean, everybody's getting. But did you see this? That we're having some backlash. Uh, there are retailers who are saying we're not going to open on Thanksgiving anymore. I've seen that. Yeah, oh. yeah, and I'm I'm not sure exactly which ones, but they are pushing back on this and saying no, you know, because they really have um, just eaten into their own activity on Friday, and it just causes all kinds of problems. And so I'm glad that we're going to just okay, let's forget, let's all sit down, have Thanksgiving meal, and enjoy each other's. So they're company. thinking about the employee and not the stockholder in a way. Well, I, yes, but I think, you know, I mean, I mean, if they think the sales are going to be there anyway, okay. it's just right. going to be the next day, okay. then nobody's hurt. Well, you know, that's an interesting, I've not heard that, but has there been sort of uh, evidence to show that, you know, the whole Black Friday rush out and but that has kind of eroded by... by... Right. It, there has been because um, as they kept pushing that back and because the competition was, well, now we're going to open five o'clock on Thanksgiving Day and pushing it back further, then you're not changing your total sales for the weekend. You're just pushing it Back a day. But instead of closing Wednesday at 10, we're going to close at 2 in the morning, I bet you. <laughs> we want you to come on in. Uh, That's I, not, never we're not going to say that's never been my fun thing day. to do. I, you know, yeah. when it's that weekend, I'm just going to, you know. Go, go do something else. I don't I don't mind the crowds, but I've not done the, the Black Friday things. I, I never really have felt the need to, you know, to get the thing. And then Some people love to do it. You know, it's kind of a game and, you know, get up early and it's a big social activity. You go with friends and you stand in line and, you know. Whatever. To me, me, I've been a little, not scared, but amazed at some of the, you know, every year you see the videos of the the big box store. I think one year there were people fighting over like a $1.50 thing of washcloths or whatever. And it's like, yes, that's the must-have gift for Christmas this year. I'm going to get everybody Well, there's nothing I want that bad. (laughs) 
Again, we're looking for your personal finance questions this morning. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. While we wait for some calls, we're going to talk throughout the hour today about uh, seven ways uh, the, to uh, prevent identity theft and also uh, some things that you can do if uh, you have had your identity compromised. Uh, it's uh, a quarter of a million people complain to the Federal Trade Commission every year about identity theft. It's been the top consumer complaint for more than a decade. Of course, it's important. I mean, a lot of Bad things can happen, obviously, when you have your identity stolen. Uh, as you mentioned with the, the Wells Fargo thing, someone could set up a, a bank accounts in your name, uh, all sorts of, uh, of things that could really get you into, uh, into trouble financially. And I guess part of the, the problem is if you're not sort of diligent about it, something could go on. Right, and you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see that more and more in my business, um, even with clients that we've had, we had one case recently where this client um, already had an account, and we were converting it to a trust account. And once we started opening it up, it got flagged in uh, under this social security system. And um, so those are popping up, and we see it more often with older people and younger people, because those are the two groups that may not be paying as much attention. If you're much older, maybe, you know, if you have some confusion, you're not even aware of what's happening, then that's a better chance that somebody can take advantage of you. And of course, younger people, they just don't play, pay attention at all to their account information. You know, just in about, about three weeks ago, so <clears throat> something came in the mail uh, in referencing to my dad. You know, he passed away back in January 2015, but I said, mm -mm, what's this? You know, I talked to my mom, and I said, well, let's get on the phone and find out. So I knew somebody and called, made a phone call, and you know, somehow it was just something that was still in the system. And uh, But it, I just said, I want to make sure there are no problems. I need verification on this, and, and they verified. And thank goodness I didn't know somebody. But, you know, this was what we're talking about a year and a half later, maybe, you know, almost, almost going on two years. So, you know, things are always out there. You've got to pay attention. So uh, we're going to take our first break this hour. When we get back, we will start talking about uh, ways to prevent ID theft. Also, we're looking for your personal finance questions. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. In addition to personal finance questions, if you've ever had experience with identity theft and would be willing to share your experiences with us, give us a call. Or also, what are the ways that you protect your identity to make sure that your finances are safe? We'll be back with more after this. Support for MPB comes from Grammy Museum Mississippi, providing learning experiences on all forms of music. Educator resources online and museum tours for grades K through 12 are available. Information at education at grammymuseumms.org. 
The attacks have been personal and at times surprising. I think it's disgraceful, and I think she should be ashamed of herself if you want to know the truth. Anything to avoid talking about your campaign and the way it's exploding and the way Republicans are leaving you. Clinton and Trump debate for a third and final time. Will they sway voters when they meet in Las Vegas? I'm Robert Siegel. Join me tomorrow for special coverage of the final presidential debate from NPR News. Tomorrow night at 8 on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. Uh, we are taking your personal finance questions this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're also talking this morning about identity theft. So if you have any experience with that and would be willing to share, we'd certainly appreciate it and be interested in your uh, experience. But also, uh, what do you do to make sure that you are not a victim of identity theft? We've got some uh, methods that we're going to go over, but it would be interesting to see uh, what some of the other folks out there do as well. Uh, The first one is uh, to travel light. And the idea is if you're going to make a big purchase, take your credit card with you. But when you get home, take it out of your purse, out of your wallet, stick it in a drawer somewhere. And, you know, this was a trick that we talked about uh, that helps with overspending. If if you've always got to go retrieve it, then sometimes it helps you uh, prevent maybe those impulse buys. And I must admit that this is one. Yeah, but the problem with that is sometimes I forget where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is I just dash out the door and just forget, period. And now I'm stuck. Well, I'm bad about this. I'll, I know I sometimes I'll look through my wallet and I'm like, oh, you know, that, that card is still in there. So um, I, I probably would, would need to do this. But it's a, a, a good idea if you, if you can remember, maybe have a special place, you know, that you that you know to go to. But uh, well, um, the other thing is, and I'm using this more and more as it's becoming an option in some places where I shop, and that is to use my um, Apple Pay through my wallet. So those cards are loaded on my phone, and then it requires a special, um, you know, I have to use my thumbprint in order for those transactions to go through. Every transaction has a different code on it, so there's some protection there. So that helps, and a lot of people are they're doing more of that. Yeah, and that's, I think we're kind of on the cusp of that. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, develops and expands. Uh, I think there's also, I believe Visa has a similar sort of, uh, you know, uh, electronic uh, system like the Apple Pay there. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how that develops and then see, you know, what sort of competition uh, develops among the various uh, players in that in that arena. Um, uh, we've got a phone call. So actually, let's let's go to that and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue our discussion on identity theft in just a minute. But first, let's talk to Jesse from Brookhaven. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. What's your question? I have a question about somebody who, if they wanted to refinance a loan, I know that loans or interest rates right now are at pretty low, but they're talking about hikes. So I guess my question is, do you recommend that somebody go for a variable rate or a fixed rate if they were to refinance? A fixed rate. And the reason I have been pushing fixed rates for probably five years is because they are very low. And we do know they're going to go higher. So if you have a variable rate loan and often a line of credit, uh, home equity line of credit is going to be a variable rate, then you're going to have to endure those increases in the interest rates. If you go ahead and lock in, then you're locking in at a very low rate, historically the lowest we've seen in a long time. And you're going to see your rates on your savings accounts and your investment accounts start to increase and you will then benefit. 
Okay, thank you. All right, Jesse, thanks for the call. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a personal finance question for us this morning, it's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're also talking about identity theft and ways you can prevent that, but also we'll offer some ways that if you uh, find yourself a victim of that, that what you can do to uh, help remedy the situation. The first one that we were talking about, traveling light, uh, you know, the idea of maybe making sure that when you your purse or your wallet, when you go out, contains really only the, the kind of information or credit cards that you might need for that particular uh, evening out or day out or whatever you're having to do. Uh, the author of this says that uh, says she even stopped carrying her social security card. And I would say in this day and age, is there any reason to have your social security card not socked away somewhere safely at home? Well, I, I'm just still wondering because we're having, as I said, we're having problems pop up where we have to ask people for their social security cards. And I'm wondering why we still have this little card you know, um, why don't we have it electronically cached somewhere where we can then access that information? Um, that seems kind of silly. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, on the Social Security card, if, if um, and I agree 100% with Nancy, electronically nowadays, what, what, I don't know how many people, what percentage have cell phones now. And um, Right. I and, mean, and the case that I just mentioned about the problem with this, and this was an older person, um, and I had to say, we, we have to have your Social Security card. Well, he had to go to the safe deposit box at the bank because that's where they were mm -hmm. get them out you know and uh and then i had to go and what did i do i took a picture of it you know in uh, probably 15 20 years from now I, I don't see the i don't see that many social security cards out there in paper i think it's just going to be electronic well and if you ask you know, ask younger so, people you know where mm -hmm. is your social security card most of them cannot tell you where that is yeah I have mine, and it's always fun to see the, you know, I got it when I was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, and my signature certainly has changed a bit. Since. Just a little, huh? <laughs> uh, but, you know, the other thing on this, uh, and I was, uh, this happened to me once, is I think that the uh, the financial institutions are getting better at helping uh, alert you. I remember it was probably a year or so ago that I got a, a text message or an email saying that someone was trying to charge, you know, $400 for a stove or something at a Sears in New Jersey, uh, with my, I think it was my debit card at the time. And so the bank said, hey, this looks a little bit odd. Uh, is this really you? And I was, no. And so we were able to stop that transaction. Well, that's but, a very selfish thing that they do because yeah. um, they're going to get caught holding the bag on that if you say, no, that wasn't me. Um, it gets a little frustrating sometimes when I'm traveling mm -hmm. and they will lock me out of my account. Yeah, because they look for patterns of, hey, Nancy's card is being used over here, and she normally doesn't do that. So mm -hmm. uh, that that's – and I would, I would hope, though, that, like I said, in, in my case, I was glad that they kind of did the notification thing first. But that you're right. They kind of monitor your spending habits and patterns, and if they see something out of the out of the ordinary, they'll they'll usually act on well, it. You know, in the local news here in the last, what, couple of weeks, two or three weeks, those skimmers um, at, mm -hmm. the, at the gas yeah. stations, and mm -hmm. I was really sort of – I mean, it was, it was um, I, you know, we probably won't know the end result of everything uh, until um, another, could be four, four, five, six months down the road. But it was um, pretty sophisticated what they were doing. And um, and I'm no telling how many thousands to maybe, it could be up to hundreds, it could be up to a million dollars involved um, throughout the United States. What I thought was odd about that, I mean, I guess at an ATM it might be easier to be clandestine about that, but at, at, the, at a gas station, it seemed odd that someone would have the time to put, and well, I don't know how easy it is to put one of those on there, but 
uh, and I guess maybe a, a self-serve or something at night or something, but it just... It... Well, if you're at a busy station, my mm-hmm. goodness, you know, and you have cars coming and going. I just think about the, the Kroger at, at Clinton, and it's just constant. And so it's impossible for that person working that station to see everything going on. Yeah, well, well that thing too, though, and then with the ATM, and I guess, but that that's that thing where it's got the little camera, and I guess, I, I guess again, it would be too hard to kind of figure out when it happened and, and who it was or whatever. Yeah, I mean, distract them inside. I could put a hat on and a white button-down shirt and go up to the machine. Nobody's going to know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, you know, got the car. It could be a van parked right there. You can't see. But... What kind of hat would you wear? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'm wondering, Wondering um, also because this is not a new problem. I'm wondering, will the ATM industry develop some sort of method to make that? Well, I, I think I think the chip is the mm-hmm. the answer to that. And and again, not every place I'm going now is equipped to handle that. Some of them will have the machines and then they'll be taped over saying, "No, we don't take your chip." Um, but that chip is supposed to be more secure. Got some more phone calls on the line, so let's start again in Osaka. Kathleen's called in this morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Hey, guys, I don't usually talk financial because sometimes I just think it's over my head. (laughs) But I'm old school. I don't want my account number, Social Security number, debit card number stashed somewhere in the air. Uh, I don't like having to be so bound to these ID cards. I know we've been hearing a lot about, oh, you don't need cash, it's cumbersome, it's expensive. I frankly don't want to give up my cash. I don't opt for any computer, and I only have a little cell phone, flip phone, because of my health in case I fall. But they cannot guarantee their safety. I've already had my identity stolen once, and it was in a hospital. So you're not really prepared to fight for that. But... When you have to watch every move you make because of the card, I still get money orders and flip the bills there. That way they don't have my routing number and any other information. Sorry, old school, hanging in there. Well, and again, it's um, you've got a system. Sounds like you're pretty pretty conscious of protecting yourself, and you know, and honestly, what what works for everybody, um, where you feel confident and feel better about things. Um, I, I'm sorry, the identity theft out there. Um, you know, we're all exposed. I mean, I don't. You cannot be 100 percent protected. I mean, you no matter what, where you go, what you do in your business. Uh, you know, doing business. Um, uh, again, you're exposed, and. and just kind of pay attention. Got to pay attention to it and do the best you can. But um, um, hey, my hats off to you if you stay with your system. If it works, great. Well, but the reality is that most of us don't. Most of us are are you know ordering things online. We're seeing the you know as we pr- approach Christmas. My goodness, Amazon is hiring 120,000 more people because we're spending more online. Um, I guess I'm more surprised it doesn't happen more often. And um, but the information is out there. Yes, you have to be cautious. But, you know, I still like being able to use all of that. Let's continue on the phone calls. Next, we're going to Marlou and Jackson. Good morning, Marlou. Good morning. So I heard you talking about the Social Security card a few moments ago. Uh Um, Where should I keep mine? Because presently I'm keeping it in my billfold. Well, they typically they tell you don't do that because someone could take that and then they have your social security number, which is a very valuable piece of information. 
And so most of the time we'll say leave that in a secure place at home. Um, you know, but I'm I'm thinking maybe, you know, back to what I said about taking a picture. If I have a picture of it in my phone where only I can access that, maybe that's something I'll start doing. But because you, you do have these times where you need it. That, that is very true. I remember years ago when I worked for Kelly Services as a temp, um, when I had to send in my time card every, every, every week, I had to actually write my Social Security number down. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and nowadays that just is unheard of. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad about that. Well, in, in many cases, if you do have your social attached to something, if you get a statement, you'll see it uh, like little asterisks beside some of the numbers um, so that, you know, not everyone will have that information. That is so true. But, yeah, if you find... Thank you very um, much for your help. Have a wonderful day. I enjoy your program. All Thank right. you. Yeah, secure spot at home if you maybe have a lockbox at home or something like that, or maybe even, you know, just a drawer that you know where it is. Uh, probably a good idea to keep it there and keep it a little bit safer uh, at home. <clears throat> We'd ask for folks that had experience with identity theft. Uh, Christy has called in this morning. Go ahead, please. Hi, good morning. Um, I haven't listened to the whole segment turned on the radio. I'm in my car, but I thought I'd share a story and maybe some of my own lessons to do with I- identity theft. Uh, some four, four and a half years ago, my daughter was getting married, and so I was using my credit card on some online purchases that places that were not as familiar to me and being a little too trusting in my processes. Um, so someone got my social security, um, my credit card information, and luckily my bank, um, you know, has a good fraud department and was watching. But the way we became aware of the fraud was a piece of mail that came in the mailbox to us at our home. And what it was is it was a package, an envelope that was addressed to someone else in the, in this country. And it, it appeared that it was from us. And it had returned to sender, refused, written on it. And luckily, it came to us. And so we hadn't sent out any package and opened it up wondering, what is this? You know, because we hadn't ordered anything. And again, it appeared that it was coming from us. Um, and I can't remember, I think it was somewhere in Colorado that it was addressed to. And it was handwritten with, you know, with a marks a lot. Um, anyway, it was, you opened it up, and there were three what appeared to be um, money orders from the USPS. And so I'm thinking, you know, this makes no sense. And I mean, it was just bizarre to us. And long, I'll try to make a long story short. What, what happened was someone got our credit card information, and within a short three days or so, then it all got exposed. My bank contacted us and wanted to know, were we doing a bunch of purchases to USPS.com? Uh, there was Match.com and a lot of dating kind of sites. And it was for not just uh, like memberships to say Match.com and, you know, some of these dating places. So what someone did is with our credit card information, they, they got a bunch of these memberships and they were apparently sending out information they would befriend someone and say hey do this for me and it's that old scam where you say i'm going to send you some money orders put them in your bank i don't even know exactly how they were doing it or or what they were saying but they were contacting people through these dating sites to say money is coming to you 
put it in your bank and, you know, probably, I don't know, you know, something more is going to come out. But what, what I did is I took those, of course, I called um, my bank and they put me in touch with an investigator. The investigator suggested I go to the post office and find out about these money orders. And I did that. And the, even the post office staff couldn't believe that they weren't real because they looked that real. Hmm. But they were not real. They could identify they were not real because of the numbers on them. And so it became a Homeland Security investigation wow. because of the mail fraud that was involved. And then I got some phone calls from two different police departments in two other parts of the country questioning you know, us. Of course, no, nobody would really be that stupid and put their own return address on these things. So they knew that we weren't like the guilty parties, but, you know, and as part of the investigation, they they looked back to us, of course. And so then we learned through people that went into their police departments in other parts of the country that they got these envelopes from what appeared to be us. Hmm. And the, here's this, you know, whole thing in there with this fake money order scheme. And, um, you know, so it was it was quite, quite interesting that it became a Homeland Security uh, investigation. Unfortunately, we never. I was curious about the whole thing. We never got to know if they ever caught anybody. I'm, I'm assuming probably not. But they did tell us a lot of that was coming out of South America, and um, you know, of course, we were not responsible for anything. But it really messed some things up for us because we were in the middle of this wedding planning and, and extra purchases, and you know, it kind of shut things down for us uh, to protect us. Wow, Christy, what a great story there! And that's uh, wow. That just for tells that. you that there's always mm-hmm. somebody out there trying to come up with a different scheme. We appreciate the call, and you know, then that's it's where they kind of got caught in the middle. And again, it's not only that maybe negative damage to you, but p- people then using your your identity for well, for that's this pretty elaborate. Yeah, yeah. They they were trained very well. They they run around with groups, and they're they're. I mean, it's. I would say they spend hours and hours and hours, and that's all they do. That's their job. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the thing is the people that are in there, they have all the time in the world to try to come out and, you know, always try to stay one step ahead. Well, and that brings up that you should be very careful about uh, the sites that you go to online to make sure these are um, companies with good, solid reputations and good, secure sites. We need to take another quick break. When we get back, we've got some callers on the line. We'll get to those calls, and there's time for your call as well at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more Money Talks after this short break. The candidates during the final presidential debate Wednesday night starting at 8 o'clock. For live up-to-the-minute fact-checking from NPR, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford, credit counselor and educator for Clearpoint Credit Counseling Solutions, and Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, associate professor of finance at Mississippi College, president of New Perspectives. We've been talking about identity theft this morning, but also taking your personal finance questions. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 
672-7464. You can also email the show money at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. We say good morning to Frank in Jackson. Hello, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, Social Security. When FDR first sold the idea, he said that uh, they would never be used for identification just for tax purposes and getting benefits. And now it's, it's definitely the number one identity identifier in the country so be careful uh what you let people do mm -hmm. uh the biggest problem i've had has not been necessarily identity theft but buying stuff uh as seen on tv you know you buy one and you get a, you get an extra one for the uh the shipping and all this other stuff mm -hmm. my biggest problem has been they keep sending the stuff they keep billing it to you you can't cancel it and uh it just becomes a big mess uh, the only credit card that I know of that effectively handles these guys is American Express. The rest of them, they're just dragged on and on and on. But they will, once they get your number, they will keep sending you things and bill you for it and bill you for not sending things. So not only is it identity theft, as one of the uh, guests said, you have to be very careful who exactly you buy from. And I have a policy, basically, if it's seen on TV, I wait for it to show up in the grocery store, <laughs> and uh, if I really have to have it, I'll just buy a prepaid debit card and, and do it that way. That way, my liability is at least limited. But uh, you have to be careful, and the wave of the future is going to be biometrics. You'll have a card and a thumb. I noticed that at Kroger, uh, they don't have time cards anymore. They just put their thumb on this machine, and that records them being there. So biometrics are coming. So, um you know, watch out for your thumbs. <laughs> he's, he's right. That's what we are moving towards. And um, but and I would say, Frank, don't do the prepaid cards because there are all kinds of fees attached to them. You're better off just pulling out some cash and doing it that way. But he is right. What happens with a lot of things, they get you caught with some sort of subscription and it's, oh, here's a free trial and you can cancel any time. But what we know is that most of us forget. You know, mm -hmm. we just get busy and we forget and then things start moving on. And I have found even when you want to cancel something and you go online, you have to really search to find the way to cancel it online. And even if you call, they're going to put you on hold forever, and you have to be very persistent in order to do that. So be very careful about signing up for anything that is a recurring charge. All right, Frank, uh, thanks for your call. And I, I think I remember it was um, with that Tom Cruise movie where the he, he cut someone's eye out because it was a, an optical scan. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Minority Report, that yes. was it, yes. So hopefully it won't come to that, but as Frank They'll said... cut our thumbs off. I was going to say, is the biometrics, uh, they, watch your thumbs. Sounds like more like Jack Reacher, maybe, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Again, uh, next uh, up is uh, Betty called in from Houston today. Good morning, Betty. Good morning. What's your question? My question is, when I heard you talking about uh, putting your credit card or Social Security card away, I thought, okay, I'd do that. But I happened to be on the way to the doctor's office, and it just suddenly occurred to me that I carry my Medicare card all the time because right. I may need it. 
And guess what numbers it has on it? Mm-hmm. I know, I know. See, that's a problem because, you know, as you say, if you're out somewhere, um, even if you're going to a doctor who already has that information, you could be in an accident. And so they're going to yeah. need that information. And so that's a real problem. And I, I think I think somebody at Medicare and Social Security needs to address that and maybe come up with a different set of numbers that you are assigned when you get that card, because that card is very important. And I come back to, is there a way for us to have this card on us electronically that would be sealed like in our phones so that only we could access that? So that would be an option. Well, but they scan it. You know, when you go to the doctor's office, I could take a picture of my my Medicare card. But Mm -hmm. when I go to a new doctor or sometimes when they update, they always have to make a copy of it. And I don't know if they can do that for my phone. Well, um, I'm thinking they can, but I also think they might, if there is something special to the card that has to be scanned in a certain way, surely they can come up with some electronic form of that so that we don't have to physically carry this little, you know, cardboard card. Yeah, I hope I live that long. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to live long enough to qualify for Medicare. <laughs> All right, uh, Betty, Thank thanks you. Thanks for the call. I know that uh, the driver's license in the state of Mississippi used to be your Social Security right. number, and years ago they changed that. So right. I, I, that yeah. was a good point, Nancy. I think maybe there's uh, an incentive to get some of these uh, things that are using your Social Security card to come up with, you know, another number so that that's not uh, always out there because, yeah, you know, you're right. That's a card that you would want to have uh, in your on your person because you never know uh, for sure when you're going to need it. Well, so state of Mississippi, we got after it on that one, didn't we? That's right. A little, we were, little bit we're, quicker than the federal government. Exactly. So something to be proud of. Uh, next, we're going to go to Bill, who's called in from Ripley. Hello, Bill. Good morning. Hi, Bill. Are you with us? Bill from Ripley. Go. Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. Okay. Uh, I just had an interesting experience a few months ago. I got an email from my, my looked like my credit card company, uh, telling me that somebody's trying to charge three thousand or something dollars on my credit card, and it, I, they need I needed to contact them and verify my insurance my credit card number. And so I called my credit card company, and they assured me that it wasn't them and that they didn't operate that way, and it was a scam. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is, next week, I got uh, the same message, exactly the same amount of money uh, from three different uh, credit cards that I don't even have. I, I don't know how somebody would be so stupid to, you know, to be trying to get money out of a person that doesn't even have a card in that company. But I got from American Express and Capital One, all of them the exact same message. Bill, I would probably get a copy of my credit report um, from all three just to make sure that somebody, you know, strange, somebody hadn't opened up some accounts in your name or, you know, just, just check it out. But I would get a copy of credit reports. Nothing ever showed up on my credit card or anything. So it was just, uh, they were just trying to get my number. And what happens with a lot of people, if you get something like that, you think, oh, no, and I, I need to call and I need to check this out. But the problem is they end up calling the number that's, that's right. in that message, which is a fake right. number. And so instead of doing that, you did the right thing of going and finding the information for your real company and calling them, and you could verify that that was a fake. Yeah, they said we don't we don't do that. We don't we wouldn't send you an email if it was, right. if it was a problem like that. 
All right, Bill, thanks for the call. You know, and I think another thing, too, is, <clears throat> you know, with someone that you don't have a credit card company with, if someone calls in and then even gets any kind of uh, name, address, anything, I mean, these crooks are really looking for any kind of scrap of personal information that they can use to try to, you know, to build something to, to, to uh, scam you. I think a goal is to create panic. And then all of a sudden, uh oh, let me let me make this phone call like you said, or right. let me put in this information. And anything going through or any request over an email or text asking for account numbers, bank numbers, routing numbers, uh, your checking account balances in the negative or da 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 stop, put the brakes on, back away, breathe a little bit and said, Let me go to my bank. Let me go to information to find a credit card statement. And make that phone call off that phone number, um, but you just got to back away. Don't panic. Don't fall apart. Um, and, and then go 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 to the right resources. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, uh, Susan is on the line from Hattiesburg. We'll get to her call, and we've got some open phone lines. If you'd like to work in your call before the end of the hour, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. You can reach us by calling one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about identity theft, but also looking for your personal finance questions this morning on Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be back to wrap up the show after this. Information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Chris Burford and Nancy Lotridge-Anderson. We've got some calls to wrap up the show with, so let's start again in Hattiesburg as we say good morning to Susan. Hello, Susan. Good morning. What's your question? Well, I'm off topic today. I'm sorry about that. But, Not a problem. Uh, I uh, have been talking with my 16-year-old son, who's a bit precocious. Um, he is very interested in starting uh, to invest in stocks, and he wants to start with some penny stocks, which I, I really know nothing about. Um, and so I was thinking, and he wants to be, of course, very hands-on, um, so I'm thinking that we need to go through something like E-Trade. And I suppose that because he's only 16, um, I'm going to have to um, log on for him or register for him. Um, I'm wondering if y'all can tell me something about um, how to get him started. Okay. Um, he can't legally have an account just in his name until he's 21. 
Okay. But there are a couple of things you can do. Does he have a part-time job, summer jobs? Yes. Okay. Yes. So he could actually, you could open a Roth IRA based on his earnings. Okay. And, but your name's going to have to be on it. Or you could open up just a straight custodial account if it's not a Roth, but the Roth will give him get him started on retirement and it can be used for other things. So it's a great way to get started. Now, uh-huh. I would discourage him from doing penny stocks. Okay. But if he insists and, you okay. know, sometimes you learn the most when you lose. Yeah, right, right. And so you might want to say, okay, we're going to get you started and you can do whatever you want, but we're going to limit the percentage of the account that you can do in penny stocks. Okay. And maybe 80% has to be in solid, good companies, but companies that he knows something about. You know, a 16-year-old right. knows a lot about technology and the latest right. trends, and right. so get him to do some research on some of those companies. But the okay. other 20%, if he wants to play, then uh-huh. I would say let him play. And, okay. um, you know, he's either going to do really well or he's uh-huh. going to fall flat and learn that that's not the way to go. Right. And right. Um, We've been talking about high risk. Um, and he's interested in that possibility of, you know, making 200, 300, 400 percent, you know. Um, yeah, good luck. <laughs> um, but um, you also need to get him to go to the bookstore. Okay. And uh, find some good books on investing in stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one that I use for my investment club, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. It's a very basic book. If you were to send me an email, I could I could find it for you and send it to you. It, it's not very expensive, and my students like it. It just lays out what a stock is, how you do this, what are the things you're looking for. And he needs I to. I got s- him. I'm sorry. I got him uh, Saturday afternoon. I went and got him a book called. The Pocket Idiot's Guide to Investing. Uh, well, that's a good start. Anything uh-huh. where he starts to learn about what a stock represents and what he's investing in and how to, how to look at an information from a company. Okay. Great. This is great. I love that he's doing this. He is going to be uh, probably a millionaire by the time he's 40. <laughs> <laughs> he would love to hear that because that's his plan, to work till he's 40 and retire. Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, but you'll be bored. And he said, you're not bored if you own a yacht. <laughs> That's great. That's a great time to get started. Nancy, are there are there companies out there that you can just go directly to the company and buy a share of stock? You, you can, you know, just you without can. a fee or um, anything. Uh, yeah, you can do that. Um, and a lot, uh, a great way is to to buy directly. You go through their transfer agent, and you can buy shares, and then you can do something. If they pay dividends, you can do a dividend reinvestment program. So every time there's a dividend, it automatically buys more shares. It's a great way to way to build a position let's get one final call in it's from sheila and jackson sheila a little press for time so if you could be brief please okay um financial planner has told me i'm interested in paying off my house and he said before i do i need to get a heloc in place do you think that's a good idea no um okay first of all how much do you owe on the house 86 and um how many years is left about 24. All right. Um, are you getting a tax break on the interest? Uh, yes, you yes. are. I can tell you are. And so you need to first talk to your CPA and ask the question, you know, what kind of tax break am I getting? Is it really worth it based on my income and position in life? Because sometimes we, we reach a point where our standard deductions exceed 
uh, what we could be getting just by letting it ride. And so then the question is, oh, wait, let me back up. What's your interest rate on your mortgage? 3.875. But the question that I had is, should I get the HELOC? Um, no, no, no. There's no reason for you to. Why? If I pay it off. Even why would you do that? Well, it will give you access to eighty percent of the appraised value. If if well, if if you really need access to cash, then you don't need to dump your whole eighty six thousand in and pay off that house. Well, I don't right now, but I'm just saying at some point in the future. No. No. If you have enough cash to pay off that house, you don't need to set up a HELOC, you know? You always need to make sure that when you pay off that house, you still leave some money that's accessible. All right, Tashila, thanks for your call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks, a production of MPB Think Radio. It's funded in part by generous financial supporters from our listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at mpbonline.org slash talks. Our show is produced by Sam Wells. Our call screener today was Jason Klein. So for Nancy Lotter-Janderson and Chris Burford, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned because up next it's in legal terms and relatively speaking comes up at 11. We'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.